and welcome to the Growth Adventure Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Appel. Uh, today, we have a very special guest joining us. Before I, I share her name, I'll just share just a few of her accomplishments, and we'll see if people can guess by the time we get to the end of this. She is the owner of Tease Me Cafe, the general manager of the Indiana Fever, director of player programs and franchise development for the Pacers Sports and Entertainment Group. She's the driving force behind the Cash the Stars Foundation, a speaker, an advocate, a four-time gold medalist, Oh, a Hall of Famer, and those are only a few of her many, many accomplishments. So welcome to the podcast, Tamika Catchings. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. It's Believe me, it is our pleasure. And I'm just going to get in it right at the top. I'm, I'm a Central Indiana homer. So first and foremost, thank you very much for making Indianapolis your home. My first question for you is, after your playing career, many athletes justifiably move elsewhere, but you have made Indianapolis your home. What was it about the community that you looked at and said, this is where I want to live and make a make an impact. You know, honestly, uh, you would have asked me in 2001 when I heard my name that the Indiana Fever had drafted me to Indiana, to the Indiana Fever, to Indianapolis, Indiana. I don't know what in that moment if I would have said, yeah, I could see myself living here for the rest of my life, right? But, you know, honestly, I got here and immediately I, I came from University of Tennessee. I tore my ACL my senior year in, in college and I wanted to stay in Knoxville, Tennessee to finish my rehab. Kelly Koskoff at the time was our general manager for the fever. And she was like, nope, I need you to migrate up, come up to Indianapolis and get to know Indiana, get to know Indianapolis, get to know your fans, the team and all of that. And I came that first year. It really was about being out in the community. And I knew I wasn't going to get back on the court. And so, you know, I told our community relations director at the time, Lori Satterfield, I just said, hey, whatever appearances you have, just put me out there. I'll do whatever just so that I can at least be engaged to some capacity. And that's really where it started. I mean, the love of the community, the love, the kids and the smiles and just how welcoming people were and for myself, for my family, just being able to come to a market that we knew nothing about and everybody I don't know. We just, I fell in love from the beginning and uh, the years continued on and our, our foundation was born in 2004 and 17 years in the success that we had on the court, but really it's been about the fans, about the community, about the people. And I, I just love it. I love it here. Well, for everybody who interacted with you in those early years to make you feel so welcome. Thank you. You are <laughs> a major, major asset to the community. And I, I definitely want to get back to uh, your work with both your foundation as well as kids. But the first thing I want to ask you is you shared that you played at, at University of Tennessee and, you know, you played for the late legend Pat Summit. And I'm just curious if you set the sports piece aside, was there anything that she taught you as well as other student athletes about either life or leadership that you've really taken and made your own to be the leader that you are? I'm, the biggest thing is leadership. I, I say this all the time, but you know, you're in rooms with a lot of different people. And with Pat, as far as for us being players, watching people, even when you're not watching them. And even for us being leaders, people are always watching us, even when they're not like locked in or watching to see how we handle adversity, watching to see how we handle the, the wins and the losses and just with different types of people coming around. So I think from a leadership standpoint, being in the room with Pat, I love that she always made people feel so comfortable being around her. And even though people would like the fangirl and just fanning all around when they were around her present, it never got to her head. She was always humble. She was always the same person. She was kind. She took time to be with people not necessarily like it's, I have to be with people. It was an opportunity for her to be with people. 
And so for me, that's something that I learned. And even as I've been able to elevate in different roles and, and be in different circles, I've always tried to make time for people and not as an obligation, but more as something that I want to continue to learn and I want to continue to grow. And that was something that you could, Pat was one of the, she's the greatest in my mind, she's the greatest coach ever, but she always wanted to learn. And she would bring people into her circle to be able to sit down and talk, like how did, you know, working through different plays, working through different scenarios. She never stopped learning, never stopped growing. And I, for me as a leader, that's what I want. Yeah. Now, in your leadership journey, for those who, who, who know you now, you're a tremendous speaker. Obviously, you're an advocate for kids. You interact with them all the time. When you were still playing, you were the president of the Players Association for a number of years. So obviously, leadership is something that, that you have truly excelled at. But in your own personal developmental arc, at, at what point did you feel like you really found your voice? I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still trying to find it, Andrew. I would say my first experience with the USA senior team was 2002. I made the world championship team. And then the 2004 Olympic team, I just remember our season is different in the WNBA. Like we'll start our season. So this year is an Olympic year. We'll start our season. In the middle of the season, we'll stop cold turkey. Our Olympians will go, they'll train, and then they'll head over and go to Tokyo this year and play the games and then come back. And then the WNBA restart. But in that time that we went in 2004, I had the opportunity to be around Don Staley, Cheryl Swoop, Lisa Leslie, like all the legends. And in my game, like those were my heroes. I remember watching them in 96. 96 was the first time I was like, oh, man, I want to represent my country and I want to play and be on the senior team. So fast forward eight years, here we are, and I'm playing with them. And I watched Dawn, how she was able, I mean, trying to get the ball, navigate. I need to get the ball to Cheryl so she gets her touches. I need to make sure Lisa Leslie gets her touches. And then everybody else, y'all y'all get the in-between, but to make sure that everybody was engaged. The way she was able to orchestrate all of that, watching that when I came back, you know, my leadership style prior to that was more, I will go and I will do and I will work like I'm a workhorse. And just watch me and follow what I do. I don't need to tell you what to do. Just watch and, and emulate it. But after being a part of that team, I realized I can not only be the workhorse and do that, but I can also talk the talk as well because I know I'm going to walk the walk. And I came back and slowly but surely started using my voice a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until I became somebody that was confident in myself and the things that I was saying. And, and now there are still rooms that I go in that I'm not as confident, but I feel like in those rooms that helped it helped me to continue to grow and see the spots and the areas that I need to continue to grow in and the areas I need to work on. And that's what can that's what makes leadership so important is that you never get satisfied with being at a certain level. Yeah. No, I think you said it, it, it your very first response is we're still growing. And if you're not you're probably atrophying some skills if you think that, you, that you've got it. But that was a tremendous response. So I do want to get to your work with kids because I know that you're incredibly passionate, not just about youth in central Indiana, but with some of your virtual engagement events. I, I had the opportunity to listen in on a few of your calls that you were doing with middle school and high school students following the, the killing of George Floyd and the ensuing movement. And just your way of just listening and facilitating. It was amazing. Would you like to talk a little bit about 
your passion around youth engagement and specifically what you're trying to help young people with? Yeah, I think it's interesting to say that, Andrew. Last year, every year we're, we're dealing with something, but last year I feel like everything just hit, like it all hit at once. The pandemic hit and we're stuck in, and we're stuck inside and we're trying to figure out like how do we live this journey called life in a year and we live in, in a sports world. So we're thinking about, I'm looking at my seniors, my high school seniors, the, the college seniors coming out. We're getting ready for the draft, the WNBA season. There's so many things that we're getting ready and that's our mindset. And then George Floyd happened. And it just kind of like, in my like my mind, the world just, just stopped for a moment. And being in the, co- the corporate role that I'm in, it's okay, how do you make a difference from this side? when these are adults and we're trying to figure out how we're going to deal with it from the adult standpoint, but let's talk about the kid and the ones that have already been affected from, from student athletes that have already been affected through the pandemic and losing their, their senior graduations and losing their last opportunity to play in, you know, the NCAA tournament, the final four and all this other stuff. They're trying to deal with that. Now on top of that, for the African-American student athletes and just African-American minority in general population, how are we all dealing with it? And we just had to pivot. We just pivoted through the Catch the Stars, through our foundation, all the different things that we had going on. We had our scholar athlete dinner and our back to school celebration and a lot of other things. We had to pivot and just trying to figure out how do we take that to the virtual world, the virtual space. But from the other side, from a social injustice and really being able to be an advocate and have the conversations around what needs to happen in our communities, what needs to happen and, and where do we fit in those spaces? I was like, okay, we can use that from the Tease Me platform. And so we started doing the Tease Me community conversation. We're still doing them. The first month, the month of June, we did it every Friday, like religiously every Friday, the month of June. And then we uh, tailored, tapered down to once a month but really focusing on different areas around our community and bringing in a lot of community advocates. And it's interesting because sometimes we get on CNN and we get on the big national networks and you're listening to the untouchable, the people that you'll never get a chance to see and that you might not ever get a chance to interact, but we're watching them and we're on the high level hearing them talk about George Floyd and talk about social injustice and using these big words that a lot of our kids have no idea what these words are. And I was like, you know what, I want to bring, I want to use the Tease Me Community conversation to really be able to impact our youth and our community, but also scale it down to, to our people in our communities and how we make a difference. We put people in elected position from the presidency all the way down, but in our actual community, we are selecting people to lead our community and how do we hold them accountable? How do we talk about different issues that need to be talked about? And frankly, like I'm tired of talking, let's get to the action part and really put some things in place. So it's been a lot of fun just leading the the charge with that. And we had, I mean, last year we had 65 panelists from June all the way to December. And now we meet quarterly just to talk about the different events that are going on. It's been a lot of community leaders. So just being a, what do you have going on? How do we collaborate? How do we partner? How do we, I would rather us do one event than all of us doing an event. And so people have to choose between five to mm-hmm. 10 events to, to go to. Let's do one and everybody focus on it and, and let's amplify the message so that we're all getting, you know, we're all making a change together. No, I, and 
yeah, again, just thank you for your leadership on that. But you, you said something at the beginning of your response that I want to come back to, which is the, the corporate side, right? You hold a corporate role in addition to all the other things that, that you do. Do you feel like there's an inherent tension between Tamika Catchings, the Pacer Sports and Entertainment corporate figure? And Tamika Catchings, the, the community advocate and passionate leader of youth engagement. It's interesting because I feel yes and no. One thing that they know when they hired me into this role and a lot of the people that have been here, they've been here since I got here in 2001 when I was a baby. And like I, my whole adult life has been spent in this organization. So if you don't know me by now, then you never knew me, right? It's almost like I had one of the NBA, one of the Pacers guys asked me when I was still playing and we were just talking about our faith. And he asked, how can you be a Christian in the midst of all the things that are going on in our world and our team and in the, the locker room, like in the W just in general, like how do you remain faithful? And I said, I will always be the same person. And for me, I, my faith is a huge part of who I am. And so it goes everywhere I go. It's not like I put it down over here and then I live over here like this and then I come back and pick up my, my face and my, my cross or just wear it. No, it's a part of who I am. And so I think even as we're looking at the corporate side with everything else, I am the same person no matter what. Mm-hmm. You can use, I have to use different areas to be able to reach different circles at different times during the community conversation. It's something that I let the company know and I let our all the employees know this is when the conversation is. If you wanna tune in, feel free, it's not no obligation, but this is what I do on the tease me and the catch the star side. And when I'm here, obviously I'm doing a lot of work with our players and trying to help them push their foundations and their initiatives. And a lot of them fought for social justice. So I'm supporting them along their journey. So it's all inclusive in a sense. I just there are certain areas from the corporate side that you cannot be in or mm-hmm. certain things that you cannot be a part of because now I'm no longer a player mm-hmm. now I'm on the business side too. And so being able to evaluate from the business side as well. well it, it's interesting that you say that. I think we're, we're all people regardless of what our job is. And, and you did touch on there are certain things that on the corporate side, it's not that you're not that person, but you can't maybe necessarily advocate in a similar way that a playing professional is doing. And personally, I'm really glad that athletes are feeling empowered to to speak their truths because they're people. Why wouldn't they be able to use the platform that they have to share the things that they're they're passionate about? Yeah, and along that point, if you go back and, and think about when Cap, it all started with Colin Kaepernick, right? And just how people look down on that situation and just, he needs to just play football. And then LeBron, he needs to just play basketball and the list goes on and on. But it's just like, you just said it, we're all people. We put on a uniform, just like when you get ready for work, you don't just roll out in your pajamas. You put on like a suit or you put on a jet, like you get ready for work. Like when we put our uniform on, we're getting ready for work. And you don't, get to decide somebody and and being the person that they are and the things that affect them. George Floyd affects our community, affects the world, but it affects our African-American community the hardest because it's been things that have continued to go on. 
and mm. social injustice has continued to go on. So that's not something that you can just put to the side and say, well, that doesn't affect me. No, it, it does affect us. And so I think really being able to say as people, these are issues that happen that we have to deal with, just like we all have our own individual issues and we should be able to speak up about them when we want to, no matter what circle we're in, we have that right to be able to do that. Yeah, I think I, I said previously in another conversation that your truth is not absolute and you should be able to hear other people's truths because it's just as valid as your own. I love that. Uh, kind of pivoting a, a, just a little bit as a incredibly accomplished athlete, how are you feeling at the moment? And this is not a Pacer Sports and Entertainment question. This is a Tamika Katz question that I think there was a lot of overdue but healthy conversation during both men's and women's NCAA tournaments about gender equality and access. And with all due respect to Baylor, who is a tremendous basketball team and hats off and congratulations from an aesthetic standpoint, that game was not nearly as entertaining or exciting as Stanford's win over Arizona. How are you feeling about the trajectory of women's sports in the public consciousness? I am excited. I, I, I'm really excited. I look back at the WNBA last year and just the w, when, the, when both seasons got started, both in our wobble, our wobble and our bubble. And the numbers, I don't have the specific numbers as far as all the entertainment numbers and the rating, but our ratings shot through the roof last year and just the amount of people that were watching WNBA game. And then you move that into now the NCAA and the women's tournament and just the amount of people that were tuned into the, all of the games were good. We might've had what, two or three blowouts, but mm. that was here, few in between. For the most part, all of the games were good. And I think I'm excited. I'm excited about the trajectory of the league overall and the players that will be graduating and coming to our league. I mean, what a phenomenal way just to be able to have the NCAA tournament. We haven't had one since 2019. The Baylor Bears for the men won it this year, but the Baylor Bears from the women's side won it in 2019. We drafted Lauren Cox, so she technically was a champion for two years. And so I think from that side, from the on-the-court side, I'm excited. I, I think we have a lot of work to do as far yeah. as the visibility. And you still have people that look down on, on women's basketball for whatever reason, women's professional sports in general for whatever reason, but we have work to do. We've come a long way. We still have a long ways to go. But the thing that excites me is that we are finally getting some of the recognition. While I did not want the locker room incident to happen with the NCAA and just the gender <laughs> inequality and equity that was seen in the locker room difference, and I know the NCAA went and made the changes that needed to be made for the women, but that's one of many things. That just happened to get exposed. And mm. so I think as long as things aren't exposed, things just keep getting swept under the rug. And when they get exposed, it's like, okay, now we have an opportunity to look at what are the other areas and what are other issues that we should be looking at and that we can make change. And there's a lot of them, but one thing at a time. And I think yeah. the exposure really helped in being able to have those conversations. I think there's a lot of downsides to social media, but one of the positives is it's harder to hide those things. So... I can't imagine yeah. living in this world as a student athlete. <laughs> I'm so glad uh, that was before us. <laughs> you and me both, Tamika. And I was not a student athlete. I'm just glad I wasn't in college in the age of social media. So we'll leave it at that. Switching over a little bit to, to Tease Me. So Tease Me was an established business when you bought it. What was it about the opportunity that 
that made you say, you know what, I want to own a dedicated tea cafe in Midtown Indianapolis. And I guess what are some of the things, knowing that you had a ton of success before you bought that, you'd been an established leader, undisputed in that regard, but was there anything that surprised you when now you're a business owner and you're running a, a company versus leading a team? It had been so much fun. I did not go to school to be an entrepreneur. I did not come out of school thinking I would be an entrepreneur. My goal was to be a general manager and to be on the sports team. And we started the foundation, did not go to the school to have a nonprofit foundation. It just happened. Everything has happened organically. It's never been anything that's been forced like, oh, I really want to do this. And bam, like we do it. It just, things just evolve. And with the tea cafe, I was a customer and I, in 2005, a, a fan, one of the fans was like, oh, I heard you love tea. And I'm like, oh man, I love tea. And, and they were like, have you been to this place? It's called Tease Me. And I, I remember the first time I went and I literally rolled up to the front door and I'm looking in the, looking around at the area. It looked nothing then, like what it looks like now, back then in 2005, you could have got a house for $75,000, $80,000. Now you can't get anything cheaper than 400. But it was one of those things I would go. It was like an oasis away from everything else. And mm -hmm. I fell in love. I literally fell in love with the place. Nobody in there knew about basketball. So it was just like a place I could go and just relax and be normal and just fit in. Fast forward, I retire. I go there. I have a meeting. And one of the gen the gentlemen that I met with, he was like, I was just telling him how much I love this space. And he was like, they're going to be closing down at the end of the year. And I talked to the owner, Wayne Ashford, I talked to him a couple of times. We had a great relationship just for me going as many times as I went. And one thing led to another, Andrew. And next thing I'm buying, or I'm like, I'm asking my husband, what do you think about me leading Tease Me Cafe? And my husband was like, I mean, everything that you do, it works. And you're just like, mm -hmm. you, when you put your all in and you're passionate about something and you love and you care about it, it works. And I... So I did. I jumped over the cliff. I jumped in. I'm all in. And I absolutely love it. So we just expanded. We now have two locations. So one at Tarkenton Park and our original location at 22nd Street. But I run it like a team. Being in, I mean, you have your own assignments on, you know, the team and on Pace Sports Entertainment. Then you have your GM and then you have your coaches and your players and all of that. And I've taken the same principles that have helped us be successful on the court and plopped them in the business and it worked at one. Now we're replicating that and plopping it into the second location. I'll give a shameless plug for the listeners who are outside the central Indiana area. Tease Me does have an online presence and if you wanna order tea in bulk, I would highly encourage you to to look it up and and, and order. So one, one lighthearted question before I, I've got one more topic for you. I know it's like picking a favorite child, but what's your favorite tea? My favorite tea, ooh, this morning I'm drinking orchid, but my favorite tea of all time at, from Tease Me is Tropical Cyclone. It's just, it just what it sounds like. It's just a paradise of just think of all things tropical, all put together and just a heavenly paradise. So Tropical Cyclone, the green tea, it is our best seller because probably because it is my favorite tea. And uh, I, I used to drink, only drink that. I branched that now because I had to try all of our teas. We carry 41 flavors of tea. That means you just have to come 41 times. Or order all 41 in bulk online. Either you can do that too. You can do that. One, one last serious topic before we get to the lightning round, and it's around representation. Next to me, you can't see it, but I have a photo of my daughter with Abby Wambach with the quote, always be yourself. People are 10 shades weird. And the look on her face, 
says it all on my daughter's face of how excited she is to be in the presence of somebody that, that she relates to and looks up to. So I think one thing that's very consistent, if you look at any of your work with youth in central Indiana is how much they appreciate seeing you and the work that you are doing. So would you like to talk a little bit about representation, about working with kids, about how all of us as a community can ensure that people see people that they can relate to as they're developing? Yeah, I mean it's just so so important. I think about I think about Barack Obama and him, not necessarily from the presidency standpoint, but him being an African American in that role. How many young African American kids could look at someone like him and say, "Okay, like one day my nephew is sharp. He is sharp. He's going to Harvard right now, and he's a junior." And I look at him sometimes. He could be our next president one day if that's what he chose choose to be. But being able to have somebody that's gone before him allows Kamala Harris now, same thing. She's the Madam VP, now she gives, and not just African-Americans, like she is across so many different realms of being in a role like that, that now gives young females, young African-American females, young Asians. She has so many different things that now we see ourselves in her. I think mm-hmm. from a coaching standpoint, we just saw Don Staley and Joni Taylor in the SEC, first time ever in SEC history that two African-American coaches have coached against each other in the SEC tournament, in the championship game. Mm-hmm. Representation, or not championship, but just in general, representation matters. And so I look at it from the sports world and being able to see that. And now in my role, being able to bring Tease Me to an area where four communities come together at one park, all Mm. those young girls, all those young boys, all those young people that now see someone that, hopefully I don't look too old, but now see somebody that's in their community doing a cafe. We've hired a lot of the kids that live in that area. And I have a lot of other goals and things that I want to do in that area, like the food desert. Why don't we have a grocery store? And if we're going to have a grocery store, why don't we employ the kids and the people that live in the neighborhood and show them how to run the grocery store in their neighborhood and show them how important it is to be able to have that? Martin Luther King Center is there. How do we get the kids from those that are in that center to be able to come and work at Tease Me, work at the grocery store, work in the area? There's so many opportunities. And so, yes, representation matters, but I think opportunity. Representation only matters so so much unless you have the opportunity to be able to be and fulfill those roles. And so my goal is to really use the resources that I have to be able to help the kids and younger pe- young people get in positions where they can succeed. Well, as a neighbor that, that abuts Tarkington Park, thank you for fulfilling that space. And my kids, thank you for keeping the ice cream. So. <laughs> we right, we so. had to keep the ice cream. That was the, <laughs> that was the priority. Before we wrap up, I, we're going to move over to the lightning round. So I've got four quick questions for you here. There are no wrong answers, only long answers. The, the first question is, uh, what would we find on Tamika Catching's car radio? Silent. So it would be off. <laughs> That's the first time I've gotten that answer. Yeah, I did have somebody say they didn't know how to work the radio. So <laughs> I do know how to work it. <laughs> I just don't listen to it. Okay. So second question is, what book would we find on your bedside table or e-reader? Oh, right now I'm reading The Happiness Advantage. So I always have a book with me and I do a book blog on my Instagram every month. It comes out on the 24th because 24 is the best number. But I do a <laughs> blog. So every month I have a book. So right now The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. 
And my Bible's always there too. I always have a Bible, but I, this book, it, it beaten up. It goes everywhere. <laughs> Thank you. So next question is uh, cats or dogs? Neither. I don't like animals. All right. Okay. No wrong answers. No judgment here. And uh, the last question, this one's a little bit more serious, is what is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? Ooh, best people, best advice. I would say my dad told me when I was in middle school, you pick your friend, don't let your friend pick you. And that applies. I didn't understand it when I was in sixth, seventh grade. But as I got older, I started realizing not everybody will be on the journey to where I want to go. And I wanted to be mm -hmm. successful. And so sometimes you have people that pick you to be your, they want to be your friend, but they drag you down. So you make sure that the people in the company that you keep are the people and company that you want and need in your circle. That is great advice. And I will share that with my kids. Yeah. So thank you. For Tamika Catchings. <laughs> I'll give credit where credit is due. <laughs> Tamika Catchings, thank you very much for joining the Growth Adventure. I've really enjoyed the conversation. As I said at the start, we could take this a lot of directions and, and I knew we weren't going to have enough time. But as a citizen of Central Indiana, thank you for everything that you're doing. And I don't know how you have the hours in the day to do everything that you do, but just a sincere thank you. And I look forward to uh, continuing to cheer on your success. So thank you, with Andy. that, Tamika, thank you. Thank you. Thank have you for having day. me.